I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one Winning Drive. Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Ravens Postgame Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan. And I'm Cordell Woodland, host of Shaking It Up Sports on 105.7 The Fan, as well as the station's Ravens beat reporter. And today, Cordell and I have a guest. We have a great guest, by the way. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We have Jonas Schaefer of Baltimore Sun, beat writer for the Ravens. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Absolutely, guys. Happy to join you. So let's start with, we're we're trying to put the Giants behind us, right? That's the one thing Cordell and I typically try to do. You know, we already beat it in the head two times this week already, but we got to move forward. And obviously, we have another division opponent in the Browns this Sunday. Uh, so, Jonas, let's start with the Ravens' offense against the Browns' defense. We obviously know that um, the big news has been that Deshaun Jackson has been signed with the Ravens. I don't know what that means for Sunday. Uh, it appears that Coach Harbaugh really kind of gave us a we'll see type in answer. Um, so Jonas, please give us, um, your take on what you expect to see from the Ravens this Sunday, potentially if Deshaun Jackson plays, if Rashad Bateman plays, we have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, I, you know, the fans are starting to panic. So is there something we could say to them that will make them feel just a little bit better about this game on Sunday? Uh, by the way, I want to point out that I just realized Rita during your wonderful introduction that who would have thought gosh name a point in time that we'd be talking more about a deshaun jackson than a deshaun watson <laughs> in the days before the browns okay <laughs> pretty crazy but anyway uh i think this is the kind of matchup that greg roman would be happy to have for for this offense because this is just not a good browns run defense they are small they don't tackle well. They're weak up the middle. There's everything that 
the Ravens would want to continue this little hot streak that they finally hit for the run game. You know, I think over the past three weeks, they've been easily the NFL's most efficient running game. They're finally leaning into some of the read option stuff with Lamar. They're pulling people in all crazy directions. They're uh, running out of small formations or running out of big formations. And this Browns run defense just really can't stop anyone except strangely enough, New England. Uh, but maybe that was a situation where they overcommitted to stop the run and just got toasted by Bailey Zappi of all people. So I think this sets up pretty nicely for the Ravens. But, you know, guys, this is a divisional game. I mean, I think I remember saying that kind of making that kind of assessment when the Ravens were heading to Pittsburgh uh, last year for that week 13 game, I think it was, where they were, you know, that run game was finally cooking with gas and Pittsburgh was really, really struggling to stop anyone. And uh, Pittsburgh came to play and, and they they bottled up that Ravens run game and, uh, you know, forced Lamar to make a couple bad mistakes. That pass rush got after it, obviously with Miles Garrett uh, on one edge and maybe on Jadeveon Clowney on the other. Cleveland certainly has that potential, but I think if we're just talking about who has the advantage going into this game, who's got the leg up, it's definitely the Ravens offense over the Browns defense. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, coming into this season, we didn't know really know what to expect from the Browns with the Deshaun Watson situation, the offensive end. But on the defensive side, coming into the year, we all thought that this would be, you know, a very good Browns defense this year. And so far, they've been, you know, on the bottom half of the league in, in terms of yards allowed, things of that nature. Uh, the sacks are the one thing that worry worry you about them because, like you said, they have Miles Garrett. They have guys like Jadavian Clowney. They have a nice little rush on the interior, too, uh, as well. So, you know, I, while I uh, think that this Ravens offense definitely needs a bounce-back game, and this has the capabilities of kind of being that for them, you have to definitely be worrisome. Like Jonah said, this is a division game. Anything can happen uh, in these types of games. And you think back to last year, uh, especially in the Browns game when they came to Baltimore, it was a lot of crazy plays that went in the Ravens' favor that Lamar had to make throughout the course of that game. Uh, I, you know, and you just get the feeling, especially with the way that the Ravens are playing now offensively, that the only way that they're really going to win games right now on the offensive side of the ball, at least, is if Lamar is making miraculous plays like the ones he made last year against uh, Cleveland. Hopefully they can do it without him having to feel like he has to make three to four spectacular plays a game. But right now that's just the type of offense they have. It's good that Bateman's trending in the right direction. They need to get him back out there for some receiver help. You mentioned Deshaun Jackson. We'll see if he plays on Sunday, but uh, they, they, they have to, as an offense, get, just become more consistent. You keep hearing about Lamar, hearing Lamar say he wants, they need to score more points. Well, they definitely need to score more points, but they they have to be better in the passing game to do that. It's a passing league. And quite frankly, the while the running game has trended up over the last couple of weeks, the passing game has kind of been taking steps back each week. Yeah. And, but, but to, I hear you in terms of, you know, the running game. But the thing is, is that the Browns are the ninth worst um, in run defense. They average mm -hmm. giving up uh, almost 132 yards per game. So when, now that you guys see that the Ravens uh, running game is trending up, do you not find a way to take advantage of that? Uh, you know, I feel like in the red zone, um, the team, whether it be Greg Roman, whether it be Lamar, I, I'm not really sure. 
found ways to get away from the run game when they got inside the red zone. But I would like to think that this is a team that could potentially learn from their mistakes. Um, and just look, if it's going to work, I don't see why you should make it stop. And if the Browns are the ninth worst in run defense, I would think that potentially you would try to expose that and take advantage of that. Jonas. Yeah. I think if, if we just want to break this down as, you know, try to find a way for the Ravens to help themselves in the, in the red zone. Actually, one thing I was looking at last night was, you know, Lamar at Louisville, you know, did a lot of pro style stuff, but he has some familiarity with these college elements of, you know, using the RPO. And that's something that we really haven't seen a whole lot this year. I think the Ravens are actually using them at a lower clip than they were last year. And you, know, you look at how much of a weapon it can be for some of these dual threat guys. And it, it is surprising the Ravens have kind of leaned away from that. I mean, I think, I look, you know, looking at the stats last night, I think Josh Allen was like, 13 for 17 in the in, inside the 20 for six touchdowns, which is just absurd. And you would think that, all right, you know, even if you have these defenses stacked in the box, well, just because they're showing one thing before the snap doesn't mean that that's what's going to be there after the snap. And if it is there after the snap, then, you know, pull that running, pull that ball away from the running back's gut and you have a clear, you know, lane either in the flat or the slant or whatever kind of route combination you have. And chances are you're going to have a pretty good, you know, level of success just with all the different kind of arm angles that Lamar can attack from with his mobility, if there's a built-in keeper option. So if we're talking about just things that the Ravens can and maybe should do, I think that would be a nice little wrinkle for them to try to try things out. And, you know, Lamar wasn't super successful with the RPO early in the year, but he has enough weapons, um, you know, either in the backfield or Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman if he's healthy to make that successful. So I, I think that would be something that if I were Giro, I, I would like to experiment more with. And I've been, I've been asking for that for weeks now, you yeah. know, especially in the red zone, you look at uh, Sunday's game, the, the fact that they had a, an entire drop, you know, a tire three play set in, in inside the red zone and didn't call a run play is beyond me. Uh, and you think back to, the fourth and goal situation against the Bills. You think back to a lot of the uh, the the fourth and short yardage situations that they've had to this point in the season to where it seems like they go away from their bread and butter. To me, the best, the best play that they have in their playbook is borderline almost any quarterback design run, especially yep. that midline R- read option that they run with Lamar that he seems to get about 11 yards a pop on right up the middle. Now I'll give the giants credit. Obviously they know they did something weird up the middle of the, in the middle of that line of scrimmage a uh, couple of times that Lamar tried to do that. And they, they were able to kind of converge on him there. They were the ones that I seen bottle up the best to this point in the year. But I, I just don't understand why you get that close to the end zone and you don't do what makes you best. You, you, you want to turn into this passing team. You want to go spread offense instead of, running the ball and I can't think of how many times we've seen them do a quarterback design run inside the red zone this year in general. Like I I can't think of too many off the top of my head. And I think that they're not doing themselves any favors by keeping those type of plays in their back pockets as they go out there to punt the ball or have a turnover on downs. And even beyond that, you would expect that a guy, whether Bateman plays or not, you would expect that, a guy like Devin DuVernay is going to be more involved this week. The fact that he only got one touch in that Giants game 
has got to be frustrating. Uh, and, and, and I think what makes it so frustrating is that this is a guy that you can get the ball to in a multitude of ways. It's not just the traditional passing game that you can get Devin DuVernay the ball. You can hand it to him in a rushing attack. He could be a part of the read option. It's so many ways you can line him up and use him. And for a team that is still searching for more weapons, you would imagine that the weapons that they do have, they would utilize them to, to the max. And it just seems like at times – they get complacent and, you know, they're okay with taking their ball and going home sometimes. Yeah, and I don't like to bring up other teams, right? But I'm sorry, I'm going to do it here. When I watch the Philadelphia Eagles run these RPOs and have success against them and you have a guy like Jalen Hurts that has a similar skill set as Lamar Jackson, it is very frustrating because, you know, yes, I understand that they have an A.J. Brown, which the Ravens don't have, but we have – Put Rashad Bateman on a wide receiver one pedestal, okay? Similar to what what the the Eagles have done with AJ Brown. So I, I'm trying to understand if it's very successful there, and yet they're six and zero. Oh, why do you think that that's not going to work with what you have? Who is in the room saying that they don't want to do RPOs, knowing that RPOs are effective? I don't understand it. I would love an explanation for it. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, particularly when you see other teams running it successfully and it's working in their favor. Um, but something has to give here. Something has to give. Something has to change. And I, I personally don't think Deshaun Jackson changes anything about what happens in his wide receiving core. He's a body, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what to expect from a man 35 years old trying to get back into the National Football League in his first, if he plays, if he plays in his first game on Sunday. So, you know, it, I think that that's the perfect thing to do to make up for what they're lacking as of right now until, you know, they can find a, their wide receivers can find a way on the field consistently and find a way to get plays. James Prochet, and, and thank you, Cordell, for even asking Coach Harbaugh <laughs> that question. I have no idea what, what his purpose is on this team. I have no idea what he does. None. I don't either. I, I mean, you, know, you heard Harb say he's going to – you know, we're going to see some play. And I had to think about it after the fact, like, all right. So is he talking about him making plays on special teams or is he talking about making plays on the offensive side? I, I don't think that out of nowhere we're going to start getting a huge dose of James Prochet, especially with a healthy Rashad Bateman back, you know, adding Deshaun Jackson. At some point, I, I mean, maybe not, but at, at some point they may entertain putting Isabella out there. It's, I just don't see why we would see more of – James Prochet now when they have added to the wide receiver room, at least in their mind, they have added to that room uh, with guys that can help them on the field. So if we didn't see a lot of James Prochet before now, I have zero hope that we're going to see more of him going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the Ravens want to have their outside receivers be wide receivers and they want to have their guys in the slot be bigger bodies or tight ends. And yeah. guess what James Prochet isn't? He's not a big body, nor does he have, you know, the field stretching speed that Giro wants for that outside receiver spot. So he's betwixt in between, man. I mean, I, I don't think this this offense formationally, personnel-wise, is going to change all of a sudden midseason because, you know, even though there's a lot of consternation right now over just how many, just how few points they're scoring, they're still moving the ball to a decent clip. So, uh, until there is a huge, huge need to rejigger what this offense looks like. It, it's going to be 
what we've seen for the first six weeks. So, yeah, I mean, unless, you know, this Duvernay knee injury or whatever is, is serious and unless, uh, you know, Tylen Wallace just kind of falls off a cliff, it's going to be really tough to, to envision a way in which, you know, we see the crochet that we saw in spots last year and then also obviously in training camp this year where he was kind of catching everything. Catching everything. It's funny. Even long glasses. Have, have you guys, I, I don't know if you guys um, heard – um, the Shannon Sharp, I guess, podcast. And he has Steve yeah. Smith on there, and he he mentions Jane Prochet, although he didn't say his name correctly. Porsche. But, <laughs> right, <laughs> Porsche. He wanted to. He kept calling that man Porsche, but we knew who he was talking about, right? I think he um, had a couple of sips in him, though. You know, he's at Club <laughs> Might have had a little, just a little taste. Yeah. And he, he was talking about, like, he felt like how he completed a receiver he is. I, I watched him in college, thought he was a really good player. I, I just – I am confused exactly then what's the point? You know what I mean? Do do you find look, and if you're not gonna use them, do you keep are you keeping him here for a body from a standpoint of you don't have that much depth at wide receiver to begin with? Because honestly, you could probably find someone that could use his services and trade him, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not gonna utilize him. I just don't think he has any. I mean, what value does James Prochet have? They haven't showcased him. Ever you right, you know, very, very true. I have to go all the way back to basically his high school, his college tape, unless you take out a couple of the plays that he's had at this level. But they've done a poor job of advertising him, to be honest with you. I mean, he didn't do himself any favors getting hurt on the back in the training camp, so he really couldn't play during preseason to really get those types of reps in. And even if he could play, I don't know if they would have played him because they weren't playing any of their training camp starters for the most part during preseason anyway. So they, I mean, they're not playing them. They've diminished his value in, in a league where everybody wants a receiver. And I think, I think he could play to a degree. I don't think he could, you know, I, I'm not saying that he's D Jackson Philly or anything like that, but you look at what the Ravens do right now. And I definitely agree with Jonas is clear. They want bigger bodies on the inside of, you know, the inside receivers, the slot receiver spots. Uh, but you talk about, I think he's one of the best route runners they have on this team. I think he has arguably the best hands on this team right now, uh, even though Devin Duvernay and Mark Andrews clearly make a, a, a case for that as well. But I can't tell you the last time I saw James Prochet drop a ball. But I also can't tell you the last time I saw him play in a game. So there's that. <laughs> Maybe this is the game, Cordell, where they're up 31 10 in the fourth yeah. quarter and they just say, All right, James, we're yeah. going to pump you the ball every single time. Yeah. Make us some money, man. Make us some money. It'll be a YouTube video of a six minute James Prochet highlight clip the next day. And all okay. of them is going to be Bengals highlights from last yeah. year. So. <laughs> I can't wait to to see the like his Instagram story the the day after where just guys sharing like six yard cash six yard cash six yard cash like look at you doing work James right finally James Porsche good job God bless Steve Smith I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right. Before we move on to the next segment, just want to remind everybody to make sure that you're subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there's a new episode, you will be the first to get it. Okay, Jonas and Cordell. So obviously we know that the Browns offense has made some transactions. We haven't seen Deshaun Watson yet um, because he won't be able to play until December, but they did trade for Amari Cooper um, this offseason. They also extended uh, Anjoku, their tight end. So obviously we know their running back situation with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, So on paper, this looks like a really um, good, decent offense. Jacoby Brissett is their quarterback, though, who has been inconsistent at best. But that's, to me, been the story of his career in a nutshell. Um, He's good at moments and then bad at others. Um, So, obviously, the Ravens' defense has trended up, even though they're in the top uh, 15, 16 in run defense. We know that they've they've trended up in pass defense, even though statistically it says that they're in the 20s. Um, But, you know, we know that they've played well the last three weeks against their quarterbacks and top wide receivers. So what do you guys expect coming into Sunday's game? Again, Cordell and I have talked about this. We feel like the Ravens defense, particularly their pass defense, has trended up. Um, And so you bring in a guy like Brissett, who, again, is inconsistent at best. I mean, he does have really good moments. Um, but then there's times where, you know, he can give it to you. So, Jonas, how do you expect this defense to attack this Browns offense come Sunday? I think we got to start with the possible absence of Wyatt Teller. I mean, this is a really good, really, really good Browns offensive line. And if they don't have him, which it looks like they won't, that's one kind of force multiplier to borrow what John Harbaugh described Marshall Yonda as. Um, without and I think that's a, that would be a big big loss. This this Ravens run defense looks like it's finally maybe turning the corner. Uh, you know, Travis Jones had a, had a really nice game. Justin Matabike I think is a perfect perfect defensive lineman for uh, to blow up the kind of zone run schemes that that Cleveland really does a good job with. Uh, you know, we've seen Malik Harrison really just take his game up a notch. We've seen Patrick Queen uh, be be braver, be, be more courageous and actually just more exacting in, in how he's making these run fits. So I think I'm not as worried about the Ravens run defense as I was a couple of weeks ago, looking at this matchup. I think if we're talking matchup wise, you know, what might be kind of int- intriguing and joke has been a beast this year, guys. And I think one of the reasons you bring in someone like Kyle Hamilton is to be the stopper of the athletic tight end that we've seen, just kind of proliferate across the NFL. So, you know, Cleveland likes to spread things out. I think they're pretty much an 11 personnel heavy team. So that's, you know, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And, you know, obviously we saw Kyle get some more work than normal last week with Marcus Williams being out. But I think this might be the kind of game where you are comfortable, you know, having him kind of carry with David and Joku because those are two guys who are built pretty similarly, you know, got uh, strength, got speed, um, don't have the, the, kind of perfect technique, but they, they, they get by with, with just enough. And 
I think that could be a situation where you trust Kyle Hamilton more than you would uh, Geno Stone. Certainly Chuck Clark hasn't been that great in coverage. And then you just trust the other guys uh, on the sideline, whether it's, you know, Marlon or Marcus to, to handle Amari Cooper. Obviously it's, you know, kind of all moot if the Ravens play a lot of zone, um, which, you know, they, they definitely have under Mike McDonald and you're just relying on that four man rush to get home and you're less worried about where guys line up before the snap. But I think if, if we do see situationally, the Ravens want to take certain guys away. then I think this could be a nice, nice game for Kyle Hamilton to, to spotlight his value and what he can do against um, a really, really uh, intriguing matchup, uh, matchup nightmare in Njoku. My, my, I'm sorry, Cordell, before you go into it, my question, my, and, I, and I can ask you this, Cordell, my concern is, is that absolutely I agree with you. This is the opportunity that he has been looking for. As a first-round draft pick, he has yet to really, you know, get to where we thought he'd be. Is he ready for the opportunity? And that's my concern. I mean, listen, and I think that I think that we might have to expect an inconsistent showing of him there'll be times i think he'll make good tackles and then there'll be times he'll he'll miss some coverages i i could be wrong here but that's i just don't feel like he's still completely acclimated with with this defense and what they're trying to do but cordell yeah i I totally agree and i I agree with both of you i've been saying for a couple of weeks there's been certain matchups that i feel like if they truly trusted kyle hamilton they could really showcase him on defense and really incorporate him into their game plan to stop certain uh, people will stop certain things that these offenses like to do. And you would imagine this week would be one of them. Like Jonas said, that's that's an ideal matchup to have him kind of on an athletic tight end and in Joku. Uh, I also wouldn't be upset if Brandon Stevens was kind of that guy. Yeah. I, just, I want a bigger body guy to, to guard this dude. So I understand the Kyle Hamilton or Stevens uh, assignment right there. The, the question is, like you said, Rita, can you trust him? And Joku has been a stud this year. Uh, he's one of the more, more targeted tight ends in the NFL right now, and he's taking advantage of it. And um, you just worry if it's like, like you said, Jonas, they do this is a zone defense right now. So I don't know how much of the man stuff we, we're going to see in general. Uh, but even if we do, you'd like to be able to trust Kyle Hamilton on, on an Njoku. I just, I just don't know if you can right now. He He's very inconsistent. Uh, at times he just looks lost to me. I, it just seems like too many times after a play, I see him patting his chest, saying my bad or pointing at his head, like, oh, I messed up. Like, it just happens too many times for me. And, like, we're in week seven. I get it. It's an NFL scheme. It's it's an adjustment from the, from the college level. But when you're drafted 14th overall, you just would expect somebody to be able to catch on a little quicker and – I'm holding out hope just as much as everybody else is. I get it's a long season and he's got hopefully a long career uh, ahead of him for him to change the narrative right now, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But as far as the rest of these guys, I, 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 I'm like you, Jonas, am not as worried about this run defense going into this matchup as I was a couple of weeks ago. They have gotten better. I think the deep, like Rita said, we've been saying that this defense has gotten better over the last couple of weeks in general. And you look at this, Browns rushing attack they're the, they're the number one rushing team in the NFL one thing about them they're going to run the ball yep. uh, whether it's working early or not um, and the good thing is you think back to the two matchups last year the Ravens were great against the Browns rushing attack Nick Chubb was not he, he, he wasn't even a factor in either of the games the Browns didn't have a hundred yard rusher in neither of the two games they played 
against the Ravens last year. So it's they know something, you know, of how to handle this team. And that was back when the Browns had a little more mobility at quarterback two with Baker Mayfield uh, as well. So, you know, it feels good. I think you have to feel good about them going up against this Russian attack. Now, the Browns are one of the they can score points uh, as well. I think they average a little over 20 or close to 24 points a game right now. Inconsistent offense for sure. They have problems closing out games themselves uh, in the fourth quarter. So that's that's one thing to definitely notice. But they can score. So you got to be careful with a team like this to not get so wrapped up into the run game to where they beat you over the top in the play action because they do have the weapons to do it. You mentioned Amari Cooper and David Njoku, but they also have Donovan's Peoples-Jones. Uh, they like to get the ball to Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. So you're going to have to pay attention to all the options that they have and not guys like Patrick Queen, all these second level guys, they're going to have to make sure that they're disciplined and keen on their assignments and not getting sucked up on the play action to where they can beat you over the middle uh, in that second level. Yeah. And you mentioned scoring. Um, They're right under the Ravens in terms of um, scoring. Uh, you know, so there's Casey, Buffalo, Philly, Baltimore, and Cleveland. So you're right. I mean, they they are an offense that does score points. I do think that this Ravens um, defense, this run defense, really is beneficial. And you already mentioned that they kind of had them, you know, um, contained last time. And then you add the fact that potentially they're going to be without one of their offensive linemen. And how well this run defense has been. I mean, you you held Saquon Barkley to under 90 yards yep. last week, who was their top player. Um, in the Giants offense. Uh, so, you know, I, again, I think that this defense is, has played well the last three weeks. I know that the, the record doesn't show and reflect that because we keep saying, oh, such and such had such and such unanswered points, you know. And, and so we all automatically attribute that to, oh, the defense had a collapse. I disagree with that. I think to me that means the offense didn't do their part in answering scoring points. But I think that this defense has played – you know, really well. It will be interesting to see how they play in pass defense because you also mentioned Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and then the other weapons that they have. So this this will be a test for them in the secondary. Again, guys, I, I want Kyle Hamilton to step up to the plate. I really do. I just do not know if he's going to do that as of yet. I mean, maybe he's a late bloomer. I have already written him off as a late bloomer. It's very possible that he is a guy that may not get it this year, may not get it next year, but maybe the third year he'll get it. So he's going to have a lot of growing pains because he is yet to find his way into this offense, Jonas. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the trajectory of Raven safeties. It's been, you want these guys on the vine ripening until they're ready to get plucked. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate that the like the, the big name starter and this is Marcus Williams because um, he was a guy who from the jump as a what second round pick was elite right away. I mean I know everyone from his rookie year remembers the Minneapolis Miracle and he he doesn't want to talk about it clearly, but yeah, uh, you know looking at his PFF grades, he was like 88 as a as a rookie, which is just pretty absurd. But you know where was how many Ravens fans could tell you? you know, what position Chuck Clark played for the first two positions he was on the roster until Tony Jefferson got hurt and they needed someone to step up, you know, who could have told you that Geno Stone would have done anything, you know, his rookie year when he was bouncing, uh, you know, off the waiver wire, when he was dealing with COVID, all that kind of stuff. And here he comes in and 
puts in a heck of a shift in his first start. So um, it is unfortunate that we are talking about you know, talking the same way about Kyle Hamilton, a guy who some people had as the best prospect in the draft and you know only fell because of his subpar testing scores. Obviously, you want a a more ready for impact kind of guy. But, you know, everyone has their own timetable. You know, so some people take longer to, to get good. And maybe when he gets good, he's going to be elite. It's, so it's just a situation where the Ravens have to be patient. I mean, I, I keep coming back to how, um, you know, when we talked to him at uh, rookie minicamp, he said, you know, at Notre Dame, I didn't run a lot of cover three shells. And guess what defense it was that, you know, uh, Miami victimized him on, on that one on that yeah. one long pass. It was a cover three shell. So, um, you know, disappointing that he hadn't really been totally refined by that point, but people are going to have their bumps and their, and their aches and their, and their bow moments. And you just hope that, uh, like the coaches say, he's a guy who never makes the same mistake twice, that by the time we get to week 12, week 14, week 17, he, he's a guy who has seen everything, knows everything and knows where to be and, and can really just, you know, weaponize his, his very unique physical skill set. No, I, I agree. Um, the only thing about it is that I just don't, and it's, and it's not even, it may not be fair to Kyle Hamilton, but a lot is riding on him turning out to be good because the Ravens have used quite a few first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. And we're still waiting for a lot yeah. of these guys to turn out to be the, the player that you know, Eric DaCosta and these guys thought that they could be. So if Kyle Hamilton turns out to be this Geno Stone type of guy that, you know, is back and forth off the waiver wire, is dealing with stuff here and there, and then maybe in his third year, okay, it, he looks better, but he's still not a first-round talent. You know, I, I just don't know if the Ravens can afford that, to be honest with you. They've invested a lot into this defense from first round draft pick capital and they need some of these guys to hit. And like I said, it's not fair to Kyle Hamilton, but he's kind of like, you know, the, the, the mantra, he's kind of like the logo for this for, for Eric DaCosta draft. Now it's like, up oh, here's another one that they take a shot on uh, and doesn't pan out. You know, you had Owe who they drafted coming in with no sacks. And here we look at Owe and he's struggling to get sacks. You know, Patrick Queen, a guy just coming from LSU. And I st- I think Patrick Queen is better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But I will agree that he has not played like a first-round talent. And you look at Kyle Hamilton, and it's just like, when is that going to come to fruition? And Marquise Brown is gone, and Rashad Bateman we're still waiting for. It's just a lot, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it- Kyle Hamilton just kind of fits that mold. So I think they really need him to be good sooner than later just particularly now because you're down you know let's say anyway right yeah exactly like they they need him just for production standpoint and just to be able to restore that faith in their fan base that they can trust them on draft night to pick the right guy because it's while some of their draft picks work out i like travis jones i like you know their mid to later round picks do end up working out but those are value picks you want to hit on your first round picks not many franchises can withstand multiple misses in the first round so they they need it they need kyle hamilton to to really be good if nothing else just to assure the fan base that we got this we we know what we're doing on on draft night and cordell not just not to you know 
look too far ahead, but I think the big distinction between Hamilton and Queen is that Queen basically got the starting job when he stepped on campus, yeah. whereas Kyle Hamilton is looking at a depth chart where Marcus Williams is signed long-term. Right. Chuck Clark is still on a team-friendly deal next year, and the Ravens talked about Kyle Hamilton being this third safety. Well, clearly he's not because when Marcus Williams got hurt, it was Geno Stone who, who went in. And first of all, we didn't even see that many three safety looks over the first five oh. or six weeks or whatever. So, uh, you know, as the Lamar Jackson situation hovers over everything and you see all these really impressive third-year guys who are finally stepping up to play, Duvernay, Matabike, obviously Ben Powers is a fourth-year guy, but he's maybe proven himself worthy of a long-term deal. You're going to you need to try to find some wiggle room on the margins of that salary cap. And if the Ravens were confident enough to either trade Chuck or, or release him before paying like the $5 million or $6 million cap hit next year and handing Kyle Hamilton the job, I think they would probably do it. Um, but again, if they don't feel comfortable in him and they don't feel confident in him, then you're paying a first round pick, you know, a decent amount of change for him to be a, a just, uh, you know, high profile backup. And that's not the success that's not how you uh that's not how a team wins the super bowl and honestly credit i don't know if you want to say credit but um it was a very heads up for them to not trade chuck clark he, i know that he had changed um, management because he thought that he would be released or traded um so th you know that was something that he really thought was a reality but for whatever reason that didn't happen and it's safe to say that it's paid off that they haven't done that because they do need Chuck Clark because right now Kyle Hamilton is not um, comfortable enough in his defense or making enough plays in his defense to feel like, oh, Chuck Clark needed to be, you know, sent elsewhere. So, I, again, I don't know if I should say credit to the Ravens, but it was very smart play on their part to just not say we're going to move forward because we have this first-round draft pick. Well, yeah, they, they should definitely be thankful that they practice patience because they'd be in a world of trouble if Chuck Clark wasn't here and they were forced to play Kyle Hamilton, who clearly is not fully confident in his ability in this defense right now, or even on his assignments in this defense, I, I, he just—I don't, I don't—he doesn't strike me as somebody that's fully confident in what he sees out there and what he's supposed to do right now. So yeah, the Ravens should be thankful that not only that they didn't trade Chuck Clark, but that Chuck Clark is a constant pro and showed up to everything that he even stuff he didn't have to show up to. He's done nothing but show up since day one and go to work. And he's been really good for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
All right, guys, before we go to our last segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button so that you can get all the new episodes and talk about all Ravens everything. Okay, guys, here's the moment. Dun, 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 dun. Prediction time. (laughs) Uh, So I will start with you, Jonas. You are the guest of this podcast. We will give you the floor. Who you got on Sunday? And listen, let me just say this. The past three weeks, Cordell has been right. I have been wrong. And I'm <laughs> I, I, the one was like one was a um reverse psychology. Yeah, reverse right? psychology. So they got it, it, it didn't turn out. It, it did work in my favor, but technically on record, I did pick, you know, the Bengals, <laughs> but I also did add an asterisk and saying this is the reverse psychology thing, right? So uh Jonas has been right. He picked the Bills, he picked the the, the Bengals. He Giants. So I don't want to hear from him right now. I need to hear from you to hopefully give the flock some positive reinforcement on what's going to happen on Sunday because you know that this this, this fan base is uh, biting their nails to the white meat at this point. So please, hopefully you can give us some good vibes for this Sunday. Is it positive reinforcement if I pick the Ravens to win? But I also acknowledge that, like my fast, my past four picks have all been wrong. <laughs> oh no! So basically, you're running Arita over right. here. Right. <laughs> I think I think I feel pretty good about the Ravens taking this one. You know, but granted, I felt pretty good about some other good picks. Anyway, I, I think I think they they match up well. I, I don't like we talked about. Brown's run game should be solid, but not anything world changing. And I think if you take away the threat of play action from Brissett, he just becomes just another dude. You know, this is a Ravens off a Ravens defense that's really made him look like a backup quarterback for for pretty much whenever he's played. And um, you know, he's got some some nice weapons now that he probably didn't have in the years past. But you know, at, at some point, you you start to show the kind of player that you are. And I think we've we've seen that from Brissett. The past couple of weeks, he's, you know, a guy who is closer to, you know, the 32nd best quarterback than the than the first the first best quarterback in the NFL. So I'm thinking something like Ravens 28, Brown 17. I, I think the the fact that they, they came to play for that first AFC North game against Cincinnati was was pretty encouraging. I think the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Ronnie Stanley is, is rounding into form, that we've seen uh, Rashad Bateman maybe be available for, for Sunday's game, that Justin Houston is back. Maybe we see Tyus Bowser, depending on, on how he's feeling. Um, that there are new dimensions to this team, uh, and I think they're they're all positive. So, uh, you know, I think if it comes down to who's going to win the battle of the trenches, uh, who's going to be able to impose their will, who's going to be able to run for five, six yards a pop, right now it's the Ravens, just because of where they are scheme wise, where Lamar is with you know his ability as a runner. Where Cleveland's line is, um, you know, injury-wise. I mean, we, we haven't even mentioned that John Jack Conklin missed Wednesday's practice, I think, with an ankle injury. So that's also something, also something to, to keep an eye on. So I, I just think that this is the kind of game where the Ravens' offense, um, <laughs> at least for the first three quarters, looks like it's back on track, and and, and they uh, they you know get the get the good vibes back in Baltimore. I mean, they've gone win loss, win loss, win loss for the season. So why not pick them to, to bounce back with a win in this one? So before I get it to give it to Cordell, um, Jonas, do you think that this potentially can start a, an upward trend of how they um, go 
down the season because obviously we know that as of right now, the rest of their schedule, no one has a winning record. And obviously that can change week to week, you know, as it goes on. But do you think this could potentially start a run or do you think that the Ravens will still coming to some issues, you know, down the line? I think, you know, if you just eyeball on it, the, the back, what, uh, 11, however many games, the 11 games they have left. Yeah. It's, it's not anything that really worries you terrifically. I mean, gosh, just looking at now, Carolina will have sold their, you know, sold off their best players by then. Maybe Jacksonville, I think can be intriguing, especially on the road there, but they're clearly not as good as they looked. Maybe those, those first two weeks, Denver seems like a dead end. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh might have figured some stuff out and we'll probably have Watt back by, you know, week 14, but still not a great bet. Atlanta is frisky, but again, not super, super talented. So you're just looking at like, you know, Tampa Bay as, as the big, uh, the biggest test maybe left on, on the, on the schedule. And Tom Brady just doesn't look like, you know, like 44 year old Tom Brady. He looks like 45 year old Tom Brady, which is a very, very different kind of guy. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think, you know, all the, all this future casting, it's it's usually pretty flawed. But I think if you're just looking at what the preseason expectations were for the rest of the teams on the schedule and what we've seen so far, especially just the quarterbacks who were on this schedule, there's not a whole lot to be scared about. So uh, I'm not saying that we're going to see a 2019 like 12 game winning streak to to rip off, uh, you know, into the playoffs. But I don't think it's it's out of the question that they could only drop a couple more if, if they get things going. And if knock on wood, they stay healthy. All right, Cordell, I'm scared to ask you what you think, <laughs> because you've been on point. He's five and one thus far, because I think Jeez. he picked the Dolphins. Um, so basically, wow, I'm like two and four. Wow. Okay. I don't think I'm the same, Rita. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Cordell. Do you have us uh, some good news for us? I think so. I think okay. so. Uh, I, I think this is a solid ba- bounce back opportunity for the Ravens. Uh, like Jonah said, they, I am encouraged uh, about the way they played the Bengals coming off the loss, but also their first division opponent uh, this this season. And they look like a team. While it wasn't the prettiest win, uh, they they were up for the challenge. They they showed up to play that night. AFC North battles aren't going to be pretty. It's just the way it goes. Yep. Um, this one, I think that they're facing a team that has just as many fourth quarter struggles as they do. I think they're facing a bad football team. That's the difference between the Ravens and the Browns right now. I think the Ravens more so are a lost football team. I don't think that they're a bad football team. I, I think agree. that they're still trying to find out who they are and figure out how to close out games. But they're not a bad team. Uh, but I think the Browns are a bad team right now. And you compound that <laughs> with the injuries that they have along the offensive line right now. Uh, just the, being the Browns, I, I have, to, I'm going to take the Ravens to win here. I think it'll be 30 to 20 uh, Ravens. I think that this will be a game where the offense is clicking early in the game and actually being able to score points and maybe you'll get that defensive uh turnover that'll give them very good field position to where they could kind of double up on possessions at some point in this game but i just have i I like the way that the ravens played them last year both times stopping the run that gives me a lot of optimism going into this game uh you 
worry a little bit as far as because it seems like the teams that don't have the glaring talent on the outside are the teams that kind of give the Ravens a little bit of problems. You think back to that New England game and Devontae Parker is just eating their lunch pretty much against whoever's covering them. And I feel like a guy like Amari Cooper could kind of have some success against this team, whether he's matched up on a Marlin or Marcus, whoever he he can win uh, against these guys. I just wonder how much. So I, I don't think it'll be the easiest win, but I, I do think it'll be one that the Ravens understand that they need uh, they responded well coming off of every loss so far this season. So I, I think that that'll kind of carry over into this game as well. All right. So, you know, I mean, Jonas and I, I guess, apparently <laughs> haven't had the best of luck, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Ravens anyway. Should I right. pick the Browns so I can have reverse psychology or should I can I just go ahead and pick the you, Ravens? You'll, you'll be messing up the mojo, but you could also be going – with the reverse psychology, I don't know. It's, it, this is a little iffy right now. I don't know. Well, I, I think the Ravens win this game. So, I mean, like, the, the, the Bengals game, I feel like the Bengals were the better team. So, you know, okay, yes, I was playing reverse psychology, but if I was right, it was like, okay, well, the Bengals are better than the Browns, right? Um, but I just don't trust in Jacoby Brissett. You know, I listen, they've done well against the run, um, this Ravens defense. And I do think that you have to find a way to expose their very weak run, uh, their the Browns' very weak run defense. So I, I do think that potentially time of possession is in the Ravens' favor, which will then mean that they will win the football game. So I'm going to go Ravens 27, Browns 20. 19. I'm going to say 19. <laughs> Ravens 27, Browns 19. Over <laughs> under half a catch for Deshaun Jackson. What you guys taking? <laughs> What you know? What you said? Half a catch? Yeah. I'm a. You know what? Over. Because okay. I, I got a feeling he's gonna play anyway, or at least one. You know, um, target. He, if, he's in the if, target. If he plays, he's gonna get at least one deep ball opportunity. They're Absolutely. Gonna They're gonna take a shot. Whether he catches it or not is a different. Whether it gets to him, that's the question. I I don't know. I think if it gets to him, he he's gonna catch it. I take the over in that. I, I think D-Jax is good for one one big play. Now, I, I worry about him using that one of his potentially two big plays of the year this soon. <laughs> I, I do worry about that. Uh, you you want him for the long for the long term, but if he's out there, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he gets that that one opportunity on like the 40, 50 yarder. Because I mean, that's what he does. Yeah, and, and you know. Rita Cordell and I were were going over the uh, the career lowlights of Deshaun Jackson. So oh, I'm yeah. sure he's got he's got plenty of friends razzing him about this. But my message to Deshaun Jackson: If you're about to cross the goal line, make sure the ball is with you. <laughs> Please. You don't think he learned his lesson by now, guys? I don't know. It's happened. It's happened multiple times it has. in his career. So you you would hope so. He's 35 now. So you know you you got to learn your lessons at some point. Uh, but yeah, let's let's make sure you cross the goal line before you, you toss the ball away. Then celebrate however you want. I am I, cool. I, with the, I'm cool with the one where he fell into the end zone though. That that was that was funny. The one he did against Dallas. Well, as long as the ball is with him, I don't care yeah, what he does. Yeah, just keep the ball. Yeah. You know? one, one, one thing. One thing quickly to bring up with you guys. One the one major major disappointment for me for this Raven season, besides the fourth quarter collapses and everything. There really haven't been a whole lot of like memorable end zone celebrations. It's just been a lot of guys dapping up one another, yeah. like Mark Andrews throwing the ball into the crowd or whatever. 
where is the choreography? Where is the artistry in all this, man? That's a good question. Well, when you hip thrust and when you gyrate, you know, your your <laughs> pelvic area, you get $13,000 fine. That's so true. maybe they're scared to do those things, even though I'm highly entertained. I love that type of stuff. Give me Billy White Shoes Johnson. Give me <laughs> Terrell Owens energy. I want the popcorn. I want the phone Joe Horn. I want yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. But apparently people are scared because they don't want to pay these hefty fines that come along with the celebrations i mean i, I would even settle for like the the lamar not the lamar the the hollywood mark andrews like you know rock paper scissors you know oh yeah, yeah give me something yeah. that's a little little improvisational you know what i mean i definitely love the touchdown choreographies i selfishly i love when joe mixon scores because i think joe mixon's got <laughs> some of the best like touchdown dances in the league. We, we hit the Jonah in Baltimore last year. I remember that, yeah. The, uh, the Scrabble Coke and Smack, they're just doing that. Oh, dance. yeah. And, and um, Odell did it, too. And I was not thrilled, I'm not thrilled about these things. Do yeah. not do my city like that, okay? I don't like that. <laughs> Joe Mixon okay? killed it. I can't lie. Joe Mixon killed it. He's got he's got some good dances. But, yeah, the Ravens got to they got to sit down. Granted, they're not scoring a ton of touchdowns these days. So, you know, they haven't. <laughs> They haven't been able to really work on the choreography. We're relying on Justin Tucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Justin Tucker's got to give us the entertainment. We, and he gave us the uh, the Randy Orton, you know, after what, the 58, the 58 yarder that he yeah. hit. Yeah. I, I like that. Subtle, subtle and cool fitting for Justin Tucker. But I don't want to rely on the kicker for my celebrations. I need, I need some skilled players in the end zone. Absolutely. So hopefully this is the weekend we can get some touchdowns in the fourth quarter, guys. I mean, come on. Fourth quarter touchdowns and celebrations. And and honestly, if you get in the end zone in the fourth quarter, you deserve a celebration. I will put $5 up for your fine if you do something really outrageous if you get a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Rita got five on it, I promise you. There we go. That goes a long way, I'm sure. I want to thank you so much, Jonas, for joining us. Can you please tell everyone how they can find you? Yeah, just uh, on the usual social channels, uh, Jonas underscore Schaefer on Twitter, S-H-A-F-F-E-R, and then all the usual work in uh, Baltimore Sun and BaltimoreSun.com. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. This was fun, and hopefully we'll have you back on. It's a long season, so hopefully we'll be talking good things down the line. If it's bad, then, you know, hey, we'll be talking about this and getting through it together. (laughs) We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Next time it'll be in Joku and Ojaba. We gotta get our gotta get our heads around that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thank you everyone for listening to the Winning Drive podcast. From Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Thank you.